Ladies and gentlemen, as you've heard in the intro, I have my good friend Daryl Becker here who um, we've been meaning to record this podcast for at least a year. Um, We'll record again. It's been a while. It's been since it's been, I think, two and a half years. Um, And you've I've had you on a couple times before. We talked about nonviolent communication. Then you and I talked about uh, that book, the. the diamond age the diamond age and actually man i was gonna tell you i just saw this neil stevenson you remember when i sent you uh the other one um snow crash yeah i remember they're making a movie of snow crash um so let's see somebody good is directing it too so this is totally gonna derail our conversation but it's kind of in the the spirit of it because i think the last time we talked you started, we, we kind of briefly talked on cryptocurrency and you were saying how smart it was to buy at the time because Bitcoin was $200. And I thought, that doesn't sound cheap to me. But you knew something I didn't. I've failed to buy Bitcoin. Um, even though I could have. Yeah, back then, <laughs> even though I could have afforded it. Um, and now it's, uh, what, it's about three years later. And I bought some of Bitcoin. I, I took $100 and put it in, and I would have had half a Bitcoin back then. So let's say back then, I take $100 um, right after we got done with that conversation we had, right? So that $100 would now be worth, uh, it would now be worth about $2,500. So those days, who knows? I mean, it could be, it could get, it could continue to grow exponentially. Um, but, you know, I, it's uh it's something that I've I've talked on this show a lot about well, how I really missed the boat. I had plenty of opportunities to buy it and I just never did. I know a lot of people that that bought it and then they just cashed out because they needed the money and they cashed out and here we are. There's people that were selling, you know, euros for 25 bitcoin at a time. And now they have so much money in bitcoin that they never have to work again. They've pretty much yeah. cashed out and and they've cashed out enough to never have to work again. And um, yep. and so it's it's like it's one of those things. It was definitely something that I missed. Um, I don't. So in something we were just talking about, I asked you, I think a lot of people, they see people getting making a lot of money with Ethereum or the next coin. And I said this. So before we get into any of that, most people that I know that are interested in cryptocurrency are like myself who until you and I spent a good two hours on uh, Facebook, or no, it was, I, yeah, I was either on Facebook or just on a cell phone conversation, never purchased cryptocurrency. A lot of people are skeptical. Um, even, you know, Richard Grove, from, from my understanding, was was pretty skeptical until recently. Um, and, you know, so, so let's talk about coins. So what is... So let's kind of do basic synopsis of what is cryptocurrency. That's what I wanted to start with. So cryptocurrency started with Bitcoin back in 2009 when that entire network was actually launched. So this is decentralized, meaning so there's no central server for the Bitcoin network. So right now there is a central server for our banks, Drew, your bank and my bank, I mean, and actually the multiple banks, because most people nowadays, if you're in the first world, you've got multiple bank accounts, sometimes with different banks. Okay. Those are centralized. Those banks can be found. 
if there was a targeted attack on that bank, either a cyber attack or an actual physical attack, like in in some countries where there actually is warfare happening, those banks would go down, and there goes your money. And Bob's your uncle. Okay, Bob's decentralized. My uncle. Yeah, there's an ancient expression. So decentralized that means a ledger was created. So like similar to the bank ledger that you have with your bank account, that was spread throughout. In the case of Bitcoin. Literally hundreds of thousands of copies of the entire transaction history from the moment it started, 2009, till the last second. And there's a lot of people who are just acquiring that node called the blockchain, and they're just taking it offline and then eventually sometimes syncing some of those nodes up. So what that does is you would have to destroy every one of those computers across the world. You'd have to literally wipe all of those out. You'd have to find them and wipe them out. And that includes all the hidden ones, including the paranoid people who say took their blockchain node and sunk it into a deep stone well or put it in a Faraday cage <laughs> and offline and such like that. So to destroy Bitcoin, you'd have to destroy that. You basically would have to take everyone back to the Stone Age, which would be, of course, bigger problems. Decentralized is one part of what it's built on. So if anyone is listening and I went too fast for you to describe what decentralized is, just please listen to me again. Uh, maybe you're kind of stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, like, Let's be listen nice, to Darryl. my words. Let's be nice, yeah. Daryl. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to say, if you just heard my words and you couldn't understand them, I'm speaking in plain English. I said what centralized is, one place, it can be destroyed. I said what decentralized is, many places you can't even find them uh, unless you've got magic powers or something. That's crazy. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> so that's part one. Yeah. Part two open source so are you running a windows machine over there no i'm not problem. i'm using uh a apple okay so you're running an apple machine the Which is a closed open source software it's closed source apple is totally closed you can't find all the nastiness that's going on in that nor can i see what's going on in my windows machine over here yeah um all nasty bloatware and malware is running behind the scenes copying everything logging every keystroke all the damn time and that's going on. That's what closed source is, meaning like the geeks who can hopefully increase quality control as they do with Linux products or open source products in general, they are not able to fix this stuff. So there's all the back doors, all the NSA spyware, all the bloatware that just slows the system down. That's why Apple tends to start going slower and slower over time because the bloatware starts increasing. And, and unless you take steps to decrease it, it just sucks up your server your the processing time basically yeah they force you into buying a new machine so the entire source code for how the bitcoin blockchain is built and most of the cryptocurrencies are built are open source so that means from the inception back in 2009 when bitcoin was launched all the geeks are out there and the hackers and crackers trying to crack the code to see if there's a way they can counterfeit a Bitcoin transaction. And so they make it seem like they actually own 100,000 Bitcoin or something like that, which would crash the network because then there would be no trust in that if people could do that. And since it was launched, no one seemingly has been able to do that. So it was built very, very well because it's open source and that makes it anti-fragile, which is another component. And then there's this other one. Uh, remember that time where I sent you some crypto to sort of open up your wallet? Yes, sir. You know, Drew? Yes, yeah. sir. So that was peer-to-peer. -peer. That's the third uh, component of what cryptocurrencies are based on. 
me to you. That was it, man. My wallet to your wallet. It's ledgered on the blockchain, so all the other people got to see the transaction between the wallet addresses, though the wallet addresses were not made public as belonging directly to you and me. Though with some bit of, what would you call it, investigation, it could have been found out. Because you and I were not using anonymous currencies. We were, not, we were using open ones that are like easily findable, and everything, every transaction is traceable on the Bitcoin network. It is not anonymous. It is totally traceable. <laughs> Traditional law enforcement can and does use that method to trace down people. So that's something to get out of your head if you think you're using Bitcoin and you're anonymous. <laughs> um, there's a way to do it, but you're probably not doing it because you're probably not tech savvy. It's peer-to-peer. Generally speaking, cryptocurrencies are person-to-person. Unlike, say, if, uh, Drew, you sent me a check from your bank, we have two other parties at least getting involved in that action. <laughs> My bank taking a piece, your bank taking a piece. And then we have to wait, let let it sit there um, if my bank's not 100% familiar. Well, and it could even be three banks, right? So. Um, oh, it could be multiples. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, the boots on the bank's neck. Absolutely. The FDIC, et cetera. They're, they're like, they want their piece of the action. Everyone wants their piece of the action. Cryptocurrencies, you don't have that happening. It's peer-to-peer. There is obviously a cost to verify the transaction. That's called a mining cost, generally speaking. So that's all those miners out there who are actually verifying every single transaction and, of course, working to free up the next block of available tokens. In the case of Bitcoin, Bitcoins. In the case of all the other ones, whatever they're called. you know. So that cost right now is generally affordable, though with the Bitcoin network getting kind of there are your Hawaii uh, internet, and that's so the way that goes. Uh, your Hawaii internet is just Hawaiian it sketchy up right now, yeah. But uh, it said so. You were saying, no, oh. oh, it's okay. Um, so you're saying that they're they're freeing up the next block of 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 Bitcoin, uh, or the the next, uh, um, I guess the next links on the blockchain. Um, talk again. Okay, can you, you, you hear me? Yeah, out? yeah, you sound great. So yeah, it's they're, Skype. They're, so that wasn't me. <laughs> not to so you're on a roll, but so now there is a limited supply of Bitcoin though, correct? I mean, so what happened with Bitcoin cash splitting? Um, because that was something I still don't understand. Um what exactly happened there? Does that create more Bitcoin since it's split? Does that mean there's more um more no. now to mine or, or what all happened there well let me let me get to that because okay. i'm just like the basic there's one more thing besides peer-to-peer okay like from me to drew that was a that was a thing and the last thing is that these networks are encrypted so depending on how much encryption the the entire transaction can be hidden and also is secured from hacking so far so th- those are the four principles basically decentralized it's open source it's peer-to-peer and it's encrypted. Um, though in the case of open networks like Bitcoin, transactions can be traced. So just understanding the components of how something is built is step one. It's kind of like, what is this tractor you speak of, Drew? D- yeah. I mean, when it runs out of horses, what happens? Where, where, do, you, do, you, where do you get the next horses to pull it? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm after saying, no, there's no horses involved. You know, <laughs> it's purely... <laughs> Uh, combustion engine and it's like well, I don't get it you know it's like well okay so this is a new technology just kind of like if we went back to the 1900s and I was explaining a tractor 
you know, to someone. Well, now I'm, I'm explaining the separation of coin and state because that's literally what this is. This is a separation of units of value that is stateless worldwide and in the case of Bitcoin, absurdly valuable, you know, on, on a trajectory of upwards, you know, to considerably closing in on $6,000 right now, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, so now I can get to your question. Well, well so let's let's go a little bit further. So I got I still yeah. I get a little bit of ahead of myself, and maybe it's because I'm not always the most organized. Um, <laughs> I just like to have real conversations, though, Daryl. Uh, okay, so yeah. it's just uh, I know what I want to talk about, though. So okay, so I'm opening here. So you recommended to me. We'll we'll give a shout out to the Exodus Wallet because it's pretty phenomenal. I I shared it with some friends. I'm like, no, I that are that are pretty savvy with crypto and they had never heard of it. And they were like, Oh man, I'm going to have to check this out. And I said, yeah, uh, a friend and a listener, um, told me about it. The guy that helped me get my stuff. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, uh, 12, 13 different kinds of coin that I could have. Um, so Bitcoin came and then what happened? So other cryptocurrencies started to develop as well. Immediately, because it's open source. Okay. And that means that people had the source code and they could make a clone of Bitcoin and maybe alter a few components of it. Because, you know, just like the tractor that I mentioned, the tractor needs to be valuable in mm. order to sell, you know, and to sell at a high price. It has to be extremely valuable, you know, like not break down, be refuelable and stuff like that. So Bitcoin provided a way of making remittance and transactions units holding units of value and and as an investment vehicle demonstrating constantly upward i mean not not obviously constantly but like mostly on a trajectory of upward there was the time between 2014 and 2015 etc where it definitely diminished and stayed down for a period of time and i thought it was over um the other cryptocurrencies were attempts at developing answers to the problems that Bitcoin was demonstrating. Demonstrating that it was going to be slower as a network over time, demonstrating that it was going to uh, like be more and more expensive to verify transactions. Like literally, as I said, the cost of verifying a transaction has considerably gone up over time. Um, those two, being slow and being expensive, are obstacles. And there are other obstacles besides. So all the people who saw the open source white paper for Bitcoin decided, of course, to go ahead and try to make a cryptocurrency that solved some of those problems, including the anonymity problem, of which there's now a small little section of anonymous coins that move from person to person that make it either phenomenally difficult or so far provably improbable <laughs> to trace a transaction. You know, um, that's an obstacle. Like Bitcoin had an obstacle of being not anonymous. So people innovated ways of taking the original source code and changing it in various ways to making it solve different types of problems, thus making a brand new token or coin. And that coin becomes valuable if it's useful. If it either shows promise, so people will then hedge their bet and they're going to throw down large on that coin based upon the promise, or if it delivers on a promise, in which case it's definitely valuable. Like there's one thing like to invest in the idea of a tractor in 1860. Uh, it's another thing to actually purchase a tractor in 1930. You know. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, so, um, what? So for the 
what uh so these coins um because the the first thing we did so i said what coin should i do because one thing that i based on my conversations with, with charles hugh smith i think the reason why i was like running into it as a problem was because i was trying to wrap my head around it. i'm like man i'm not really sold that i think i think the future of money isn't something it's going to be something it's either going to be cryptocurrency or something similar um, I don't know. Humans are terrible at predicting the future. Um, but so, you know, one thing I had said is, you know, what should I, what, what should I invest in? So Charles Hugh Smith said, you know, the benefit of cryptocurrency is you, you treat it like savings. Um, he said, what, one thing you said to me is typically the, the value of, of cryptocurrency is increasing and your, your money, it's, you know, something else that my friend Fred said is you got to treat it like it's dead money. You know, you're, you're putting money into it. You treat it like it's dead money. Like it's, it's not something that, you know, this is something that you're using to invest. And I think that's where a lot of people who have gotten in trouble with Bitcoin who had it was to them, you know, maybe they had to cash out. I mean, like personally to make my venture work, you know, I, I cashed out a 401k or a uh, Roth IRA from uh time warner because they rolled my uh 401k into it i was like you know what i need that i mean this is this is something i need now for a business or anything else so i get that but i think you know uh for me like if you can yeah if you can purchase something with crypto but to me i i and and i think you would agree with me is when you're putting money into this i mean you want to treat it as a long-term investment and then, you, and and I think something else you were saying to me too, um, before we started recording, which you'll get into, is you. And then once you once you want to get clever with it and try to strategically use your existing coin, correct? Right. There's leveraging and doing arbitrage. Yeah. So, so those are just fancy ways of making more, like saying I'm making more by make, having effective strategies. Yes. Like so um so so let's. Do you want to talk about some different things? So. So I mentioned, so before we forget, so what exactly happened when Bitcoin split? So Ooh, I know when stocks split. The fork. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. know when stocks split, like your your stock essentially kind of doubles, like the price goes down and then it doubles. Um, yeah. But that didn't really happen with the fork because it didn't really split. And like, I think fork is better. So what went on there? Because I remember you sent me this message, oh, Bitcoin cash is coming. Uh, you might want to put your coin in this wallet for this. And I was like, I have no fucking clue what Daryl's talking about. I don't have time to, to, to even comprehend this right now. Uh, yeah. but I wish I would have, cause it seemed like a lot of people made some good money from that. So oh, it's not too late, Drew, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it's true that there was a moment in that first launch of, uh, as soon as the fork happened to make big money. If you were skilled and you were able to find your Bitcoin cash in your wallet and then put it into a safe wallet and then leverage that, like literally now you own that. So let's just say you owned half a Bitcoin okay. as imagining. Um, let's just say you owned a whole Bitcoin rather yeah. right before the fork and you had it in a wallet that you owned the private keys, not on Coinbase, not on an exchange. You had it in a private wallet where you had the private keys. Now, is Exodus a private wallet? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Exodus is actually, as I found out, much to my dismay, 
was the best place that I could think of to hold your Bitcoin <laughs> ahead so, of time. Well, what so what is a wallet? So look, maybe we should go into action. what a wallet is first. So I mean, and we kind of I don't know, I think I de- I drewed it up and kind of misdirected you. So what exactly yeah. is a wallet? So we know that's where we put our money and then we put it in our pocket. Um, and it seems like this is more something that's uh, it's called a wallet because it's where your coin goes, but it's on your computer. How about this? Um, what is your email address? It's a place where your emails go. Correct. So a wallet is where your cryptocurrency lives. Okay. So each specific cryptocurrency requires a specific kind of cryptocurrency wallet. It would be like if you had... Um, if you owned 13 different types of cryptocurrency, you need 13 different kinds of wallets to hold them. They do not communicate between each other. They, you can be trading between each other, but they all require their own special wallets. Like It's kind of like um, email is universal. My email, your email, you know, emails flow from one to the other. There's, there's one standardized email across the world. That's how we communicate. With cryptocurrency wallets... As long as it's Bitcoin, all Bitcoin wallets communicate to each other. So that means I could send from my Bitcoin to you, your Bitcoin to me, etc. It's easily done. But I can't send my Bitcoin to your Litecoin address or my Dash to your Bitcoin address. It doesn't work like that. You know, they are all specific. So it's really easy just to think of it like an email address and emails. Cryptocurrency fits in a cryptocurrency wallet. It's really just like don't need to go any more complex than that. There's an architecture for holding something. And what you're actually holding is those specific private keys that allow access to portions of the network that are verified as to be yours and you're under your control. It's like that. Okay. So you don't even own a Bitcoin, actually speaking. It's more like that you have specific codes that acquire access to part of the blockchain that's yours and that access is everything so it's a lot more like real estate it is like that yeah it's uh, it's an asset except you can take that real estate and digitally put it somewhere else Um, yeah it fits pretty small (laughs) yeah well yeah so i think it's yeah so i think that's a good way so okay so we've established the wallet um yeah so then uh you put you put your coin in the wallet. Now, let's go back to this Bitcoin cash thing because you were saying if you could find the cash, yeah, in your. So what happens? So they say they forked it, and they. Let's s- just go back to the fork. Okay. You know, it's August. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's um, it's August first. That's where the Bitcoin cash fork happened, I believe. But, okay. You know, um, this was a lot of hoopla. It was a lot of like build up. There's a lot, a lot of, uh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, cryptocurrency personalities giving their dramatic expositions on the whole thing and a lot of wallets saying i support it this way i support it that way and i chose the wrong wallet you chose to keep it in exodus which was actually and not use my advice which was good because i was wrong i chose to move my bitcoin over to airbits wallets because they said that they would have it all done that they would make it uh doable then they did make it doable they just made it complex they made it stupid and Exodus made it simple, like really easy. Here's what happens. If I if I owned 10 Bitcoin ahead of time in a wallet that I control, now I own 10 Bitcoin plus 10 Bitcoin cash. Huh. It's that simple. So what is Bitcoin cash worth? Well, at the moment of its launch, its first price was 
like more more than six hundred dollars. You know, and it fluctuating all, all the way. I think it was um, it went up to a height of like eight hundred dollars. You know, in terms of what it was at first valued at. When a coin is born, like including an initial coin offering ICO as they're called, they're often way more pricier than later on uh, because it has the coin has to stand the test of time, and often the initial sale price is usually excessive. This is not true for some currencies, um, but it is for many. So when Bitcoin Cash was born, basically you're thinking of like a f like a, a plant, like um, like an apple tree, and it's all apple tree, all apple tree, all the way up. And then someone is saying on, in this case, August first, they're grafting a plum branch onto this apple tree. Now it's going to grow some plums off of that branch. Well, that's kind of what happened. So now you still have the apples, but now you have this plum branch that's growing off of it too. So you got me. Yeah, so I could go into my Bitcoin, what little I have. I think I have $6.11 yeah. worth. And I can get some Bitcoin cash out of that $6.11 <laughs> for free. Uh, yeah, um, there's a price for that. <laughs> okay. Um, then as there's a price for doing any acquisition, any movement, any transaction takes a price, right? Okay. I was just saying the miners are there and they get paid by verifying transactions. So... Were you to claim your Bitcoin cash is going to cost something, and since you only had six dollars of Bitcoin in your uh, in your Exodus wallet, that means that uh, the amount of Bitcoin cash in there is not very much, and it might be more expensive to try to acquire it <laughs> than it is just to say leave it. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate that you didn't have like much, much, much larger amounts. Well, um, because I don't. You know. So what happened was, is I have a, I I invested heavier into Litecoin because I was like, um, yeah. it's more affordable. Maybe it will become an Ethereum type, but uh, I don't. That's even a know good investment. Doing. Yeah, I mean, a, and it and it's made money. I mean, so I put a hundred, I put a hundred dollars into it, and then I lost some because I I don't know if you remember, but when I first tried to buy. Litecoin, I sent it to my Bitcoin wallet, and what happened oh. was is there's this conversion, so I lost money because I it can automatically converted it to Bitcoin, and then I had to convert it back to back to Litecoin, so I lost more coin that way. So, but I'm still in you know in the black, so it's you know, if if I cashed everything out now, it'd be 115 dollars and 15 cents. So, uh. uh. So wow, I mean, you're really light in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I haven't, I haven't put any more money into it because I had to. Uh, I mean, so basically, so the, so, and I'll be, I'll just put all my info out there. Like I don't, you know, need Daryl. I I keep shit real. So basically, you know, I had to get a new roof, and I had um, I had some money for like an emergency fund, and an emergency happened. I had to get a new roof, so I paid that. Then I had to take my car into the shop, and then that cost money too. So. I'm in the process of building up that emergency fund again. So until I get that emergency fund built back up, I'm not putting any more money into um, coin because it's like I don't, you know, you got to, it's just kind of a, it's my strategy. I mean, a lot of it's influenced by Dave Ramsey. But, um, you know, I so once I get to, and I talk to my financial advisor too. Like I have a pretty good guy who's, of course, one of the old school guys that is skeptical of, um, Bitcoin, um, which a lot of the older, older school guys are. And it, you know, like my financial advisor, I mean, he has a very, you know, I mean, I, I, 
I didn't put any money in, and he had, he had doubled what I made, um, and he was just kind of using like the permanent portfolio strategy from Harry Brown, and I don't even think he realized he was, but he said, "Yeah, that sounds like what I'm doing." So like he he knows a decent amount, and it was something him and I had talked about, like just you know make sure you always have an emergency fund of you know six months rent if you needed to. So I'm I'm in the process of building that back up. So I. And I think, you know, before people get crazy and thinking that they can get rich quick with this, um, I think you and I would both agree that um, that would make more most sense for people to do. So I had some money at the time, so I put $100 into it. To have coin, I'm just letting it sit there. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's not losing me any money. And as a savings account for $100, it's made more money than what I would have made putting it in my credit union. So I'm not disappointed with it. I, I you know, I, I think it's nice to have coin. Now it is pretty interesting because since when I up- updated my Exodus wallet, I saw you know um, Bitcoin Cash was added, but now there's also Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. So did Ethereum also split or fork or what happened there? Ethereum has forked back in the past. Okay, that's why there's a currency called Ethereum Classic and a currency called Ethereum. So, and so actually yeah, there's so been multiple forks. Um okay. some of them are just widely under under investigated. Like honestly there, there's many different cryptocurrencies and there has been many different forks of the cryptocurrencies. Um I think it's very inf- important to look at what lens you're looking through. Yeah. And that's like a take a step back. What's yeah. the lens you're looking through? Right now I'm going to say everyone class Put on your investment lenses. Yeah. Okay? So if you have emotions, your emotional lens, I want you to please take those off. If you have like a thinking you know the right answer lens, please take that off for sure. Maybe you throw that one away. Um, and if put on your investment lenses versus hard, rational, logical, you know, there's no room for an emotional overreaction to things now, especially on the roller coaster that is cryptocurrency in the modern 2017 world, okay? And you look at these and you say, these are investment vehicles. And you can actually look at the charts. What's their trajectories? They're like quite a hockey stick, you know, going up, basically. Um, Depending on how long they are existing, a long period of time of, generally speaking, flatlining, and then slowly and gradually, and then sometimes rather rapidly, as in this year with Bitcoin prices, up. And that's important. You know, just like it's important to, to measure. So my general advice, investment-wise, is to say, like, again, what are you trying to get done? What, what's your objectives? It's like each investment person is a specific individual. So my business is DB Crypto. I help people make Bitcoin understandable and set them up with a cryptocurrency portfolio and then tune that to what their trajectory is. That's right. And for a brief commercial in between, if you guys go to dbcrypto.com, if you would like to consult with Daryl, you can go to dbcrypto.com and you can actually sign up for a consulting. Um, yeah, and- I'll give you a free half hour. Daryl, yeah, and Daryl, and and honestly, like you know, something that we were sitting together at the, um, dude, we were sitting together. There was like a group of us sitting together at the uh, meetup for Brett at the School Sucks meetup. Um, this one guy, my buddy, uh, big shout out to Jess. Jess said, uh, I think it's called P two P Bitcoin. He said that's like 
the best way it's like the least expensive way to get bitcoin and it's just because you're buying it from a person and then they you give them cash and they give you their bitcoin um oh that's great yeah local bitcoins will do but local bitcoin i think that's what it's even called local bitcoin um yeah local bitcoins uh dot com yeah yeah so he was talking about that, but everybody else, there was like a group of us and they're like, dude, yeah, I've been wanting to get in that, but I have no idea. And it was like the same commerce because you and I have had multiple uh. conversations and it's like, man, I have no idea. And I think people really are interested. Like, look, even if they just had a hundred dollars, so even if they just invested $50, I think if it, you know, get in where you can fit in. But I think just being in the know, I mean, people there, there's people making a lot of money that have made a lot of money with it. And, and I think the biggest fear and concern is that, you know, I've heard Peter Schiff uh, talk about it, and he's a big gold um, gold head. I mean, he has a lot of gold. But, you know, like there's some smart, like my friend Fred, he mines. So he I, there's a podcast that's going to come up for this one. And he, he's been buying these miners from, um, these mining computers from, uh, because now you can't just mine it on a computer, which a lot of people used to do with just shitty computers, but now you can't do that anymore. Um, he's been buying these miners from uh, China. They're like two grand. But, I mean, just from what he can get out of those miners with coin, um, you know, it's it's well worth it. So it's it's kind of interesting, man. If you want to be a miner, you can do that. I mean, obviously, every every stage of this seems to have an, uh, an investor. But, you know, like what you're saying with your lens... I think for the average person that don't want crazy electric bills to pay for the miners, um, you know, I, I think just like you said, use the investment lens. Sorry, I didn't mean to just go on this uh, this Druisms here, Daryl. Uh, it's all good. I, that's why I come on the show. Yeah, yeah. Know, so. But <laughs> I, mean, I, I think for so like for the average person, I think you know it, it's 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 incredibly intimidating. Because yeah. when you sign up, we, you know, I think we should let people know what to expect. So what, let's see. We signed up. Uh, we got so you and I together on the phone. I've signed up for both Uphold um, and Coinbase. But the, do you remember the other one you recommended? I couldn't even do it because I have a credit union and they didn't even recognize my credit union. So I was like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I, as far as I know, that would be Glidera. Yeah, Glidera. Yeah. Yeah, it was Glidera. Yeah. And for many people, that'll work if you live in an area where you can just have the the proper bank that is Glidera accepted. Um, so investment lens, um, just this, these are trajectories, these are investments that if you know how to acquire them, how to safely store them, and how to keep track of them, that's an investment. How much do you put in? Well, that depends. Most people... If you said, okay, we're going to need to start with $6,000 of mining equipment and, you know, like keeping this much in mind for uh, expenses on electricity and maybe maybe you're actually going to go another, you know, full $10,000 to set up your own production of electrical power so that everything is self-sustaining, um, that's going to be more than they want to invest in. And obviously then you'd be like consulting with a mining consultant who helps you mine the correct type of cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin. Because that's presently requiring much bigger uh, infrastructure that you can't afford. You just can't afford what it takes to mine Bitcoin. You can join a mining consortium and throw down a small bit, you know, some bits of money to acquire um, cryptocurrency on the regular from the, the consortium. But when it comes to mining, it's still very doable on small computers and other systems and rigged up situations. But it's still gonna, it's honestly still gonna cost you an investment more. 
it's not just investment. It's like an emotional and intellectual investment. And that's going to be more than the average person. Here's what I say to the average person, like you and me, Drew. Yeah. Um, I'm whatever the voice it is. Of the average man, right? Isn't that what you said to me once? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And and I'm like wanting to like learn from that, you know. <laughs> you know, because I I am changing my vocabulary to to, to reach more people, not less people. Daryl right? and I have had discussions about how he he's he has too good of a vocabulary, and it it's going to confuse people. So we've been trying to work on Daryl using simple simple man terms that I like. I like yeah, I like I, little words. That are mm. effective. <laughs> so it's like simple terms. What can you afford to lose every month? What do you what do you actually throw down per month that you actually know you're doing it just for the fun of it? And honestly, um, it would even behoove you if you weren't spending it that way. And for some people, say like twenty five bucks per month on like various to go foods, which were either largely disappointing or you know, um, what can I say? Um, totally forgettable yeah and you could you could totally afford it um well then take 25 a month and throw that into bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and there's a way of doing that if you don't know how that's where you hire someone like me to help you to hold your hand through the process and make it understandable if you've listened this far to the podcast and you understand something better well that means that i'm the guy for you because i'm making it understandable and if I said things that are confusing and you're, uh, you're looking for someone who gives you more clarity than me, well, you could still reach out to me because I could find you other consultants who maybe speak your language better. Yeah. I mean, to, to literally speak like plain Drew speak better, you know? That's right. <laughs> there's, there's that. Hillbilly um, talk. So it's like whatever you need, you just keep it in mind that like as, from an investment standpoint, what you can afford that you're already throwing away is something to throw in on the regular to this investment. And if you do have a way to connect with an exchange that where you can throw down U.S. currency and get your Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies into a safe wallet, well, that's great. Then you already have a service that is what I'm providing for people. Because you see, what I didn't get to say for DB Crypto and my business is that I live here in the state of Hawaii where for people who have Hawaii ID and Hawaii bank accounts, it's challenging. It's massively challenging for us here to buy Bitcoin through an exchange, unlike, say, Ohio or even New York and California. There are so many places, so many places in the United States where it's easier to buy crypto than it is right here. There's so many places. So I took that pain point of where it's difficult for people to buy and I leveraged it in my favor. So I buy coin for people, obviously, at a price because that's that's an expense of my time and energy and risk. So people out there like you, Drew, you can just simply go online and set up a Coinbase account and set up an Uphold account, and you now have the buying power that I'm sitting on over here. Absolutely, you know? man. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I but but you don't need to throw down, you know, the the limit of your your Coinbase account, which is like I don't know, pushing ten grand per month or something like that. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's a lot of coin there. Um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, so, I mean, like, I, I think, um, so like just for the average person, I mean, like, so when you're going into, cause I'm even looking at this. So if I have like, okay, so 86 of my stuff is in Litecoin now, like, how do I know what coin I should get? Like, how do I find trajectories? How do I find, how, how do people, I mean, it, because all this stuff is pretty, um, all this stuff is pretty overwhelming. 
Well, if you're an anarchist, yeah. if you like freedom, you really like, you're very pro-choice across the board, but yeah. you're also pro-ownership. You're yeah. like, you know, it's the choice. The person who owns it is the one who decides. Yeah. Right. So that's that's like voluntarist perspective. Well, then, if you're willing to go on Facebook, go and reach out to Anarchrypt, the Facebook group. Yeah. Go there and read and read and read and read and occasionally make a comment. And when you get bold, try to write an intelligible question that's not too <laughs> stupid. But first you read. Yeah. You go to a Facebook group like Anarchrypt if you're that. Is let's just say you're unfortunately you're listening to this and you're kind of commie socialist. You still want to somehow excuse violence on other people's parts well, I don't because think of any, the common any good. Of my listeners would be commie socialists. I think we can, well, we can we can guarantee that, Daryl. Oh, this is <laughs> wonderful. Oh my god. Okay, well then, let's just say um you're you're ready to mix it up with another group. Cryptocurrency Collectors Club for Beginners on Facebook. Yeah. This is, no, honestly, these two groups, right, between those two, will yield you humongous volumes of information, and they will show you trajectories of the other people on those groups. There are day traders on those groups. Those are people not doing what I do. I'm doing a conservative long-term investments mm -hmm. and portfolio setup and assembly. Um, I, I'm not there yet with with the constant tracking of the ticker and setting up several computer screens and uh, being on exchanges that honestly I'm not able to yet connect with yet, but I will. But again, problems with my location in Hawaii, okay? <laughs> and I, I mean regulatory problems with the, the, the vicinity that I'm in. And the vicinity that I'm in and things like that um, uh, with the exchanges, exchanges are the bitches that we have to deal with. They are like so problematic right now because we're in the wild west of crypto this is an like under innovated compared to what's needed by people and under uh regulated which is a good thing uh industry that's constantly growing market cap of all cryptocurrency we're getting close to 200 billion dollars total 100 billion just for bitcoin alone that means like all the money that's in there right now um it's going to come a time where it hits the 1 trillion mark and that will probably be the big game changer moment, I would say. You have to understand the total world currency in circulation uh, is still under 100 trillion, as far as I know, like all world currencies. So it's volume. Uh, right now, the volume is small enough that it's, it's um, still off of people's radar investment-wise. It's off of people's even understanding if they're getting mainstream media news, unlike, say, the sample hour, you know? Yeah. Um, but if they're out there, if you're like paying attention, this is an opportunity to say, okay, I can deal with an exchange. I could go on, if you're in most of the United States, uh, you could go on to Coinbase, which is mama-friendly, relatively speaking, though it is is honestly a bitch. I do recommend Uphold um, if you know how to use it. It's not as mama-friendly. It's a lot slower That's, of a process, too. It uh, is a lot yeah, slower. I yeah, I think, so the one thing for me... And and just for people to get prepared. So when I when I did the hundred bucks, um, I said I want a hundred bucks, and then it still it took a while to process, and it didn't even take my money right away. I think that was the the thing that I was kind of um, more. Um, it, it it's kind of something that I was more uh, concerned with because it was like, man, so when is this going to take it out? Because you and I, I think it took about a week, and I haven't tried to get any more money 
via that way. I think if I do do more money, I think I'm going to try Coinbase next, but um, or uh, local Bitcoin. I think I might just do local Bitcoin and go buy some from someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, I, I think it's just people. It it is something that's very different. And if you do decide you want to invest in cryptocurrency, I think people just need to be patient. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. And I think it, it can be overwhelming and it can freak you out. But you got to remember, I think the people who embrace cryptocurrency are tend to be more freedom leaning and they also probably tend to be more secure security leaning just for themselves and for you. Um, so you might wonder why they're doing all this stuff. And, and a lot of it is probably to protect you with fraud. Um, so yeah, you are giving them a lot of information. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, you, you discuss with me, Drew, don't be alarmed. They're going to want this information from you. Um, so I think for, for people with that, I think they, the biggest thing is, is be prepared, uh, to be uncomfortable because it, it is something that's, uh, that is different. Um, so, but, uh. Convenience costs money, Drew. Yeah, convenience. I just want to say that convenience, convenience costs, money. costs money. Absolutely, and it's convenient yeah. so, to be able to do to to use these services. It's convenient to go on Coinbase compared to many exchanges. Just try Kraken. Just put K R A K E N and check out that exchange, and you will see the most labyrinthine and crazy shit like exchange you'll ever like. What the hell are they doing? Like it just. Their their user interface is I don't know someone who um, it was a constant computer nerd obviously designed that shit. Someone who designed Coinbase they made it honestly way more mama friendly for user interface, but that convenience costs money. They're they're look like basically Coinbase is located in San Francisco. That means that anti money laundering laws and know your customer laws fully affect them, unfortunately. And that means that they ask for oodles of private ID and copies of photo uploads of your driver's license and all these other personal pieces of data and, my God, social security number cards and things like that. All these things are taken just to make sure to verify you are you who's making this purchase. And if you don't like that, and as I certainly don't like that, that's what things like local Bitcoins are for, Though more nowadays, unfortunately, local Bitcoins also gets hit with a know your customer problems. So that's what I mean by these exchanges are bitches is because they have the boots of these regulators on their necks, literally pushing and squeezing. Would you like some more of this bank money? You're going to have to squeeze out this information, which this incredibly important and, and, and I would say vulnerable information from your clients like you and me, Drew. And then that company is holding that data, right? And what happens if someone hacks that company and gets our personal data? Well, we, we loot. I mean, we're at risk for identity theft. Yes, we are. And that is why ex decentralized exchanges are going to be the thing. So right now, I could name a really awesome exchange that's only crypto to crypto, no fiat monies involved. It's called shapeshift.io. What's the cool reason about that is... You go to shapeshift.io, which is, by the way, built into your Exodus wallet, my Exodus wallet. Yeah, that that was what I had you to know? use when I went back, and I don't. And they they actually have really good. And I just want to kind of jump in. So, when I said yeah. earlier, when I sent all my um, Litecoin that I purchased to Bitcoin to my Bitcoin wallet, um, and then I had to go back, 
I did that via shapeshift. And so shapeshift and then something weird happened. And I was like, Daryl, how long should this take for my, to get this money back? And you're like, uh, it shouldn't take any longer than 20 minutes. So I waited and then I checked on it and it was like two days. So all I did was email them and, um, I sent them my transaction ID number and then they fixed it right away. So I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't, um, like the customer service, like I was, a lot of things went wrong for me that uh, for any noob it could go wrong with. Um, so I think, I think people, uh, um, Anyways, I think it, it was pretty interesting. I guess that's all I'm. That's all I'm trying to say. It was pretty interesting. Oh, it's wild! And luckily for you, the stakes were small for the transaction. See, uh, that's a good thing, right? It's Absolutely. good to have the transaction all small, and so that you're not on this stressor like, like last week where I was purchasing nearly two grand of coin for one person. Yeah, and um, and that was a high stakes moment. It's a different story, but um. For this is why a lot of people out there in crypto paralysis is what I call it. They know that it's important. They know it's probably the wave of the future. They don't understand it. And they're committed to keeping that ignorance. They're keeping the lack of understanding because it's too much work in their mind to understand it. Even though it's four principles, like I described in the middle of the beginning of this podcast. And in all honesty, when you don't know how to do something, you can learn it yourself. I've spent I don't know, hundreds of hours doing so, or you can hire someone else who already will catch you up to speed yeah. like me. You know, Absolutely. I don't know. You have two ways the do it yourself experience or hire someone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of resistance to that too. People will just want like, okay, fine. Either do it yourself effectively or hire someone. Yeah, I, I don't know another way. And I think too, you if know? people even just want to consult you for a half hour, I mean, I think based on what, people are doing i mean you would help them you would help point them in that direction too i think like uh i mean for me who just wanted like a hundred bucks to get started it was easy hey drew let me just tell you what you need to do it was pretty simple yeah um but you know for somebody that has money and they're like you know what i don't have time to deal with this uh but you know i want to get some coin and i want you to make sure it all goes through I mean, that, it sounds like, I mean, just even from our conversation, that's more of what you were looking for. Like, yeah, you know what? I'll take care of it for you. I'll get you your wallet set up and all this, this fun stuff. Um, and, and that's, and that's more of your, your realm with your, with your consulting, right? Right. And that's exactly describing the type of clientele that I love working for. Um, that th these people are great because they literally are saying that they're like, we're, we're talking generally, here's the demographic older men. Uh, they are sitting on substantial assets and of a small portion of those assets, like play money for them, which is often in the realm of $10,000 or less are just ready to throw down and get started. Have me set them up. Trust me. And then at the end, they get to be one of my pleased clients because right now I'm on my first hundred clients and I have a hundred percent satisfaction. I love that. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. it's kind of like people where like you haven't had someone like show up, get microgreens, and then like have an angry comment of those like were awful. Well, I've had you know? I've had one person. No, I'm just teasing. One person. I actually <laughs> had a customer that that pointed something out that I'd done wrong, and it actually was really beneficial because I um. It's so it's like it, it's it, 
basically it got cold out and I still harvested stuff in the morning and it was it wasn't really quite frosted, but it wasn't quite normal greens. So yeah. it's like I'm I'm learning that, oh yeah, in the wintertime you actually don't want to harvest first thing in the morning like the summertime. You actually yeah. want to harvest when it's warm out warmest of the day. So that was like something that a customer pointed out to me. Not to totally derail this conversation, Daryl, like I love to do. So <laughs> yeah, so I mean I, I mean like even just from from your just you helping me. I mean, it's been you know, it, it, it is, it's, it was, it was, it, it was a lot easier to know, oh, okay, I can use Exodus as my wallet. I can use, if I want to put it on my phone, I can use Airbits. Um, if, uh, you know, if I uphold to buy, um, localbitcoin.com or do, um, and that, and that was something else you, you mentioned to me too. Like sometimes it's, it's even better. So if you could use something like a local Bitcoin.com and let's say you want to diversify your cryptocurrency from there, it probably make more sense to just buy Bitcoin and then exchange it via, um, in the Exodus wallet. Correct. Yeah. Although nowadays uh, I tend to do a bunch more Litecoin purchasing and then yeah. just flip that into the ones of my choice. I'm either getting, I want Bitcoin at today's Bitcoin price and I'm getting some of that and I'm getting some Litecoin too to diversify. Also then there's other prices too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, so let's, let's get know. into this. So like, and this yeah. is just kind of a basic thing. So for you, what are yeah. the majority of coins that you kind of recommend? And I know, I know just from our conversation, I mean, originally, um, we, you had wanted to talk about Dash and why Dash is really good for, for uh, farmers markets or even people in, in agriculture or that are maybe farmsteading or homesteading. And let's say they want to trade instead of, you know, if they wanted to accept cryptocurrency, why Dash was so good. Um, I'll say this about Dash. It moves very quickly. I love that. There are ways to use Dash that make it anonymous and untraceable. I love that. And, and when you go to the very important website, coinmarketcap.com, coinmarketcap.com lists out in order of market capitalization, that means the total volume of dollars invested into whatever cryptocurrency we're talking about. It lists them in order of the biggest to smallest. And there's more than a thousand. Um, so just saying right there. Which ones are actually valuable? Well, I would say all of the top 10 are valuable. Yes. I mean, look at them. Yeah, They're I'm all looking right valuable. now. I mean, Bitcoin is $95 billion. Uh, yep. Ethereum is 28 billion ripple, which I don't even know what ripple is. That has 7 billion Bitcoin cash is 6 billion Litecoin, 2 billion dash a, a little bit less, still 2 billion. Then there's NEM, BitConnect, Neo, Moreno, Ethereum classic. And there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of coin. So of those first 10, I certainly advise, you know, uh, at whatever price point that you're willing to acquire it, get Bitcoin, get Ethereum. I definitely say get Ripple. I've started to, especially at the 20 cent price per Ripple. Um, I, it, how much to risk on that is a different question altogether. Um, Litecoin, definitely, number five. Um, Dash, definitely. I'm, 
I'm not really sure how far Bitcoin Cash is going to go. I know that Bitcoin Cash has been holding steady due to the fact that it's easier to mine than Bitcoin. And that's what people are doing. They're mining Bitcoin Cash and selling it, and mining it and selling it. Hmm. Um, when it comes to, say, what would I want to use in a farmer's market, I would say Dash first choice, Litecoin second choice. Um, when it comes to, say, I want to make a transaction with Drew and absolutely make 100% sure that no one can see the transaction, that's number 10, Monero, oh, M-O-N-E-R-O. That's the way to go. If you want to make absolutely 100% sure that no one sees the transaction, that's the way to go. Dash will do it too, but right now that to make a Dash transaction 100% private is skill. That means that that's a little few more steps involved in the transaction. That's a problem. But here's the thing. Um, Coinomi makes a great digital traveling wallet that I'm testing out now. And the Jax wallet, many people find no problem with the Jax wallet. So I'll spell those two. These are mobile wallets for your cell phone. Jax, J-A-X-X. It's been tested by many. Um, I find that, unfortunately, on my iOS, my Apple phone there, um, I've had some problems with it, enough to give me some concerns. I haven't lost coin but I've had a very embarrassing moment where I'm using my Jax wallet to deliver coin to a client and suddenly my Jax wallet is totally messing up, meaning I'm turning it off, I'm turning the phone off, turning the phone on, I'm, I'm opening the wallet, I'm closing the wallet, and no matter what I do, it doesn't seem to work. Like I can't give the client their Litecoin. That's more, that's very concerning for someone who's in the business like me. <laughs> that's like saying, you know, like you got out onto your John Deere and it's not starting. And then randomly enough, it starts the next day. Well, that's not good, you know. So I'm not really making a good commercial for Jack's wallet right now. But I will say that I looked around and I found Coinomi as a great replacement for my Jack's wallet. So what? why am I saying this is because those two wallets hold a huge number of coins. A lot of different kinds of coins. And in your cell phone. And so just like in your wallet, you want to have, you know, ability to have cash and a variety of different cards and things like that and a place to hold storage, other things. This is what a modern day cryptocurrency wallet includes the ability to hold multiple different currencies. Now, as you know, with the Exodus wallet, that's beautiful, at least on the surface. Uh, some caveats to put in with the Exodus wallet. It's closed source. And they did that for a variety of reasons. So is the Jax wallet, by the way, closed source. So if there were to be any problems in the future, um, there could be problems that uh, are only addressed slowly through the company. The company, Jax or Coinomi, or for that matter, Exodus, um, they all have a vested interest in making these wallets function well. It's kind of like back in the day. Uh, did you have like an AOL email, Drew? I did. Yeah, my me very too. first email, Drew6303 at com. <laughs> there you go. So everyone knows. You can send me yeah. an email and I'll never... I'll, I'll never, never accept, get that. Yeah, I'll never take it or accept it. <laughs> and I kept my AOL email uh, active too, by the way. So here's the deal. Um, the first things that come out aren't necessarily going to last the, the test of time. So... I look for easy ways to store things. Um, we were speaking from the 
you know, th- there's several problems. Like just with, with an email, you need an email address that works. And thankfully, my Gmail works just fine and hasn't shown any signs of problems. And I have other emails too, just in case. Um, when it comes to cryptocurrency wallets, there are some that have stood the test of time. Blockchain.info. Blockchain.com. That wallet for Bitcoin alone has stood the test of time. It's my oldest wallet. I still know people who use it. Honestly, so as that, far as I can say, it's a fucking awesome wallet for Bitcoin. So this Ripple, so you, it's twenty cents yeah. right now. With it's not yeah. an Exodus. What wallet are you using for Ripple? Actually, Drew. Yeah. The Exodus company came up with a very excellent wallet called Eden. So if Eden? you put into your search engine Exodus Wallet Eden you will find the Eden wallet download. You'll, you'll go through about six pages of warnings. This is an unsupported wallet. Exodus is a supported wallet, meaning that they've got tons of support uh, people ready. If you ever have a single problem with Exodus, mm. you, can get on, uh, you, can, you can get a real human to get some help with that. Unlike, say, your Coinbase account, Drew. Yeah. You're not going to likely get a yeah, real human yeah. with that. <laughs> they don't give a shit about you at all, um, unless you're a humongous account like Overstock or something. You know, but the, when it comes down to it, um, you can get an Eden wallet that works just as well as your Exodus wallet, and there you can find an easy way to hold your Ripple as far as small amounts of Ripple go. And if you have a difficulty buying Ripple through your standard method, in other words, like in, in inside of the Eden wallet, well, then you can go exterior to Shapeshift and acquire it that way. Just... You know, I think you already found out, Drew, what happens when you put the wrong address into Shapeshift, like a Bitcoin address well, no, when you're it, asking. It wasn't needing. Sh- it, yeah, it wasn't Shapeshift. It was actually from Uphold. Um, and then I fixed what I did with Shapeshift. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I wasn't really privy to the actual No, you weren't, you weren't but, here. Yeah, so what happened was is I bought Litecoin, and I was trying to figure yeah. out how to take the Litecoin I had purchased and send it to my wallet. So you need to send my, it to a Litecoin wallet. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I sent it to my Bitcoin wallet. And yeah. then I had all this Bitcoin and Litecoin. And I was like, oh, that's what I did. So yeah. it's um so yeah, I mean it's it's um yeah, I, I think uh I think it was uh I mean it, it was a pretty easy process to fix. Um uh, yeah. but, but um not catastrophic. No, it wasn't. I mean, it freaked me out for sure. I think it was easy to, to kind of freak out because I didn't know what I was. I think it's because it's just so new. It's like, okay, yeah. what am I? What am I doing? And I and I it, don't and I don't know what I'm doing. So I did what any human being does when it doesn't understand what it's doing and freaked out a little bit. And then I was like, oh, you know what? They probably have support. And so what did I do? Because I I messaged you and you're like, and you got really worried about. It. I was like, no, man, I th- I think I'll figure it out. Because you were like, did you contact Shapeshift? And I go, no. You're like, well, let's contact Shapeshift and see what they say. And I was like, oh, okay. Because the Shapeshift, what what happened was is um, I figured out from one conversation with you that, oh, it all went to my Bitcoin because I put it in my Bitcoin wallet. Then when I went to exchange it, it got stuck in Shapeshift and it didn't send it over right away. Um, so it was like a, a couple goofy things went down, but I, I worked them all out pretty easily. So I mean, it it was something that um, it wasn't too difficult, and um, you know, and honestly, I'm I'm pretty happy about it. I mean, like I just 
while we were talking, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take my minimum transfer in Dash. And then I moved some of my Litecoin over to Dash. And I was like, oh, this Ripple stuff. So I went on coin coincap.com and I'm like, oh, this Ripple stuff, um, it's only 20 cents. So why don't I take my you know, my I had like a hundred dollars in Litecoin. So I I used 10 of that to get Dash. It's like, well, why don't I use 10 of that now to get Ripple? And so it's just kind of an idea. So let's see if I can, you know, kind of keep keep further and you know divesting what coin existing coin I have. That's kind of it's my good thought. to diversify. Yeah. yeah. So the whole idea of making a portfolio is to position yourself well, and you understand the trajectory, and you understand the risk too. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to CoinMarketCap.com. You can see all the currencies, but you can click on each one. You click on, uh, actually, I'm going to go back, uh, click on the actual one that says Ripple, and then you get a chance to see, okay, what's what's Ripple's trajectory? What's Ripple's website? What are people saying about Ripple? And that's why I mentioned earlier, how do you learn about how to build a portfolio? Well, why don't you copy what the successful people are doing on Anarchrypt or Cryptocurrency Collectors Club? for beginners or a cryptocurrency collectors club which is the advanced uh, facebook group you, instead of just trying to reinvent the wheel you can see what are other people doing yeah and i i had a client who was strongly saying you know i, I described ripple that uh it the, all the banks kings and horses have thrown large into ripple investment wise that's why it's that's why it's so high up in the market cap at number four i believe right um, it no number three. It's number three in market cap size, because all the king's horses and all the king's men have thrown down large into it. And the best they could do is to raise up the price to about twenty cents. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt around that coin because there are people who consider that this uh, that that banks could find some way to completely. Um, Certainly, they put their dirty money into it, and that there there might be uh, possible what can I say um, problems with this as as a technology that due to the who's invested in it and and where they could actually take it, maybe they'd fork it into something that makes it considerably nastier. But that would just sink the value. So I think when it comes down to it, I take my uh, my emotions aside in terms of the dirty money. And I just look at Ripple. What's it do as an investment vehicle? It's um, it went up to twenty eight cents, and I was silly enough to agree with the wishes of my client to buy at that all time high of twenty eight cents. Obviously, they lost a, a serious percentage in that one investment. They gained on other ones. Yeah. Um, but what if it Ripple goes to a dollar? Well, then they made huge, you know, and I certainly did too. Um, I only own a small amount of Ripple right now, about, um, I don't know, maybe like 30-some bucks or so of it. Um, Ripple is a pretty interesting technology to consider. I think that the fact that you could throw down so much large and acquire so much of it uh, is is pretty interesting. Similar to Dogecoin of old, you know, <laughs> which is another one, which is way down on the um, coin market cap. It's like I'm scrolling, looking for Doge. There it is. Number 49. <laughs> so, okay, so for people like so let's say, you know, um 
So why cryptocurrency versus gold, or is this just another option to kind of diversify? Oh, it's not either or. Yeah. Yeah. Either or is for people who are still retarded or slow, you know? (laughs) So no, this is not an either or world. This is an and also. That would be like saying, why tomatillos instead of tomatoes, Drew? You'd be like, no, man, I want some both, you know? (laughs) know? Yeah, for sure. You know, so it's gold is wonderful. And it has its limitations, as does cryptocurrencies of all kinds. They have their limitations. Um, I think that the hard things like gold, silver, and precious metals have bigger limitations because you have security, you have storage problems, and honestly, you have divestment problems. (laughs) You know, you know, like I can divest of all of my cryptocurrencies so quickly and turn that into a variety of assets, including cash. Okay. You can't really do that very easily with the gold and silver and other precious metals. The divestment process is slower. Um, though I do have a place nearby where I can literally drive to, I think they're like f- six days a week, and they will give me spot price. And that's convenient for now. You know, like, at least I, ha- I have one. And honestly, the biggest city near me, Drew, has like 45,000 people in it. That's my biggest nearby city. Okay. Um, if you live in bigger places with larger population, then you've got a lot more gold and silver selling choices, um, a lot more choices and that kind of thing. So the whole 10% into precious metals is a great idea. I've heard people like Jack Spirico say that on, on his show. Um, I'm more like, I don't know, in general, I'm seeing that cryptocurrencies is likely a way bigger trajectory that if you're smart, you're probably thinking closer to 20 to 40% of your savings into a nice diversified cryptocurrency portfolio. If you're conservative, fine, 10% or more conservative, 1% or more conservative, 0.1%. I honestly don't know how much people, how much money people have. So you sort of like take that part of what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to lose? Um, what trajectories do you see? How how much investment time, you know, in, in terms of investigation time have you done? And you can just go ahead and choose to follow along with other people who have proven that they've made money. You know, I'm one of them. Yeah. Um, I once owned 10 Bitcoin and I made the mistake. I'm saying to listeners, you out there, don't do what I did. And this I is kind of what I was talking about too earlier, right? Uh-huh. Like I was right there. I did that. I had the 10 plus Bitcoin. I... I, I, I saw the price going up and up and up, and I was like, yay, this is the end of 2013. And then 2014 happened, and everyone began selling, and it went down and down and down, and I sold at like 900 and 700 and 600, et cetera, et cetera. And then it kept going down over the rest of that year. And the next year after that, 2015, where it hit the all-time low of under $200. And I knew at that point, finally, as I saw it start to climb up again, that I didn't understand crypto and it was time to reinvestigate what I was thinking. I didn't know. I thought the game was over. It wasn't over. It was just doing things because there were huge movements of whales, the people who own a lot selling. Now people who own a lot sell, well, the price goes down. What does that mean? It means you've got to change your perspective. Here's the perspective I have when the price goes down. It's on sale. Here's my perspective when it goes up. 
um, tell my clients they should be happy to see this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. And 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 in general, you know, just that's that's my perspective on investment. But when you if do you have like farmers market people farmers listening to this? I have no idea, Daryl. My my uh, I think I have. I know I have a lot of skeptical hillbillies that listen, and those are okay. My, skeptical those are my hillbillies, people, yeah. And cool, like, cool. And, I'm, and I'm talking to not you know the hipster hillbilly types like Greg Burns, and that's well, a like, shout out to Greg Burns because he doesn't think he's a hipster, which is funny. How about people who like preparedness? You know, yeah. Like bullets, I mean, yeah. I definitely think people you know? who I mean they're not necessarily preppers, but people who like to be prepared. I think I think that that's a good way to say it too. I think, um, uh, yeah. I, I think. I think that's a good, you know, I think that's a good, um, well, that was loud. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, I heard def- that. <laughs> definitely have people that are prepared and I, I definitely have. So, but I think, you know, there's, I have a lot of people that are interested. I, I probably have a lot of people who are like me who are interested in possibly getting coin. Um, but then the, the whole idea of the coin um, is, you know, well, what do I, you know, what exactly is this? What, how do I get it? Why, do, why should I get it? And I think we, we covered a lot of that today. I think we, you know, we, um, I think we, we covered all that today, but there's I think, one more thing though okay. for those people. Okay. There's one last thing though. Um, when you're at market and you have a sign that doesn't look like, uh, your your daughter made it, and I know you don't have a daughter, but you know what I mean. Yeah. If you have a sign that says "I accept these currencies," you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dash, you know, and name like and name any of them. Like I would name those three just right there in the line. Bitcoin gets people's attention. People know it and recognize it. Um, for people who already own Bitcoin, they know what Litecoin and Dash are. And for those people who actually are walking around with a cryptocurrency wallet in their phone and they're saying, oh, my God, I bought Dash at when it was $12. Right now, Dash is $276. If I buy these microgreens uh, using some of my Dash and, you know, obviously, Drew, on your phone, you could easily accept it. And the transaction is confirmed right away at whatever price you verify. Yeah. Then you're done. And when you're looking at the phone, in case I know people like hillbillies listening, you don't understand. You look at the the you look at each other's phones. You look at what the price is. Like let's just say, how much is your microgreens uh, standard sale? What was it? What's it cost? I do one for three and two for five. So one one item for three, two items for five. Okay, someone wants five dollars. They're going to get the two items, right? Okay. Yeah. And that's five dollars. So you can just literally put US dollars five into your Dash wallet on your phone. Usually that's Jax or Coinomi. That's C-O-I-N-O-M-I. That's those are two mobile wallets that would hold Dash coin. And in moments, Drew would be receiving that Dash, that same exact quantity of it. And and here's the thing for you people at market, anyone who's selling goods and services, that's certainly well, me and you, you, Drew. Even if you're not at a market, I mean, let's say you're just on the farmstead and somebody yeah. wants to come and buy some chickens off you. Yeah. And, and you decide you want to do that, or somebody wants to buy pork, or somebody wants to do, you know, whatever it is, buy services from you to help them build something, or you want to repay someone and you're like, you know, do you accept cryptocurrency? Right. Um, so that's a way of getting it. 
then now you know you want some, so you get some. And that's a way of doing it. Certainly, like the other podcasters, like Brett and Nathan, these guys, as far as I know, like all their cryptocurrency was acquired <laughs> because people either donated to them or, you know, um, in some cases actually paid them in it, you know, but mostly donations for those guys. Absolutely. And that's awesome. That's just awesome. So the there's many people out there who will sell expensive items for bitcoin that's bitcoin's like the way you buy your villa in the south of france okay or your yacht it's not like usually the way you would buy some uh, I mean, so, greens so that was one know. thing so that was one criticism i heard my buddy recently went to uh amsterdam and he was with a guy that i'm pretty sure has a ton of cryptocurrency like you know i, I haven't met him it's I've been told I need to meet the guy and he's been told he needs to meet me because similar interests. But, um, you know, he said, you know, it's pretty awesome to have all that stuff at the difficulty. He said, I was pretty blown away by the amount of cryptocurrency he had. And then he said, but I was even more blown away by how difficult it was for him to cash that in and get, you know, currency in Holland. Um, oh, or in, in Holland. Yeah. Or in okay, Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, it just might be a method of not knowing the ways of doing it. Like I've got friends certainly on the mainland, like in, over in Pennsylvania, and they have their crypto accounts fully loaded into cards that are essentially Visa, MasterCard. Oh, wow. Visa, Visa cards and MasterCards. They literally pay for huge portions of their life with their crypto assets. Got me? Absolutely. So it, it, it depends on your, your, where you are you know, asset wise, like in those, if you are on paper in the Netherlands, different laws apply over there. So, so in some cases, it's just that the method for turning crypto into fiat money, such as I would say, um, oh, guilders, Dutch guilders, and uh, we're over here in US dollars. It's just, a, it's like, as long as you know how to do it, you're great. If you don't know how to do it, and you don't know how to find out how to do it, See, that's like one of those good questions that you'd ask on a Facebook forum. Yeah. Like, like, what's the difference between like a 10x card and um, um, a, a there's a variety of different card services. I'm presently not using them, so I'm not like I didn't prepare with like a list of those. But no, you're totally fine. But I mean, people people can find them. I think I think that's yeah. that's a little bit more advanced. Um, so and yet it's not even advanced. It's just all it is is just a couple steps, you know. Yeah. It it's more than most people know. If you, the point is this. Maybe you don't know everything about cryptocurrency and in case you can't tell, certainly anyone who does know cryptocurrency really well knows that I don't know everything about it for sure <laughs> having listened to me for this long. Um I know enough how to use it and I know certainly how to create a trajectory investment wise. And I know how to get more of it in a bunch of different ways. And I certainly know how to spend it, you know. So when you want to get dollars out of your crypto, it's not really that hard to do. But if you're thinking investment-wise, you're think I'm hoping that you're thinking long-term. And then that means, like, you acquire it however you can acquire it. If you can get people to pay you in it, that's wonderful. Um, the reason I bought nearly 2000 of crypto for a client this week is because that was him being paid by a client and him wanting to pass the job over to me so I can make some because I passed him a big job recently. Okay. Where he made, you know, so he made $700 on a job I sent to him. Now I made like, you know, closer to like 400 on on a job that I sent, you know, that he sent to me. Yeah. You know, kind of reciprocal nature. 
just keeping everything in mind like this, if if everyone listening could just take their emotional mind out of this and understand that you don't know probably, but you can get to know. Just like, you know, long ago if if we said email's going to replace how much letters that you write or how many, how many like postal things you do with a US postal service, you'd be like I don't get this newfangled computer thing. Well, now everyone's doing it. Now you certainly get get it. Well, that's what cryptocurrency is. It literally is a separation of coin and state. Usually states are fully involved in the monopoly of coinage and have been for thousands of years and it's being unplugged. They can put regulations on these things, but all that does is drive up the price, which I love. They can make it more difficult to transact, which drives up the price, which I love. They can make certain vicinities trickier and that positions people like myself to capitalize on that trickiness that they just created. And then there's going to be areas where it's easier, like where you live, Drew. And that just makes it more widely adopted and makes the you know scalable nature of this thing go upwards. So um, at this point, I think I, I pretty much hit the limit of what I'm prepared to talk about because I think cool. we just covered every little thing, right? I think so, man. It's been about an hour and 20 minutes. I think I'll probably have you get on again if I have more questions. Um, so yes, if, if people are interested, go to dbcrypto.com, even if you just want a free half-hour consulting, even though Daryl said don't ask stupid questions on the forums. If you ask stupid questions or you're still kind of overwhelmed by all this material, Daryl will be nice to you if you're interested. Right, Daryl? Oh, and by the way, um, <laughs> this is a podcast with Drew, and I want it to be like every guy. So... I'm actually a lot nicer to consult with than I sound right now. Yeah, so, you he's know. trying to be mean. There, no, you weren't even trying to be mean. No, you're, you're. Daryl's one of the nicest I'm, dudes. But uh, the reason why he says that about stupid questions is because I, you know, I'm pretty sure in these Facebook groups they're good resources to have, but people can be pretty vicious if you ask questions that they consider to be elementary. So when he's saying don't ask stupid questions or that's not considered a stupid question. That's what yeah. that's what you're that's what you're talking about. So right. if you guys have more questions um, or anything like that, and you guys want to contact Daryl, Daryl, what's a good way for people to contact you? Just through the website? Um, definitely through the website. But I'm gonna say, please just go ahead and, um, you know, here's you can you can even use my private email, voluntaryvisions at gmail .com. And that's that's a great way of reaching me. You okay. know, just um, my website is going through a complete overhaul and I'm building things like lead magnets and trying to build other services that I, He's trying to I get definitely fancy. am going further with. We're trying, trying to, get to get fancy. fancy. Yeah, we're trying to get fancy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so go ahead and contact that. Another great way to get, reach out to Daryl is and this is how I got to know Daryl was I friended him on Facebook. So I heard him yeah. as a guest on Nathan Fraser's show and I was really intimidated and I was like, this guy sounds super smart. Um, and then he was like one of the nicest dudes and we became good friends. So um, people, yeah, so if you guys listening, if you're if you're interested in getting more information from Daryl and cryptocurrency or maybe you have more questions and you want me to do another show with Daryl um, and you have more questions about, about all this because I know it. It's a lot to take in. I mean, it, like it's it gets it gets overwhelming for me. Like I think um, 
And even though it is simple, I don't know why it's so goddamn overwhelming, but it is. It's like it's something that I feel like shouldn't be overwhelming, but I think um, just these. I, I think there's a lot of information about cryptocurrency, and so it, it's easy to kind of hit analysis paralysis with cryptocurrency. So, um, so yeah. So if you guys have any other questions or or anything like that, please reach out to me or Daryl. Or if you have specific topics you'd want us to do a show on about cryptocurrency again, please let us know. Um, and I think that's it. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, this has been a great show, and I really appreciate you giving me the forum for all this. No problem, Daryl. Thanks for coming on. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Looking forward to bringing you another episode soon.